Hello and welcome to Building Wealth on the Go, a podcast by KLT Wealth Management. Today is uh, Thursday, March 26th, 2020, and we are back with episode four of season one of our podcast. So uh, my name is Brad Wilson. I'm financial advisor, and I'm joined alongside once again by certified financial planner, Joe Filiomeni, and associate advisor, Courtney Beach. How are we both doing today? Good. Very well. Excellent. So we are back and again, focusing on uh, bringing some wealth building tips to you. Um, and in light of everything that's going on, hopefully bringing you something that uh, you can learn from today, uh, some inf interesting information and uh, hopefully some feel good stories as well. So we're going to first uh, dive into cash flow planning because uh, we definitely believe cash flow planning is, is an essential uh, tool um, to financial success. Uh, and so I think what we should dive into first is why is cash flow planning so important? So uh, Courtney, I'll, I'll ask you first, uh, what are your thoughts there? Okay, so the importance of cash flow planning is basically you need to know where you are you know, so that you know whether or not you're getting yourself into trouble when it comes as far as debts and stuff like that. Yeah, and I, and I would agree with that. Like, it, it really forms the basis around overall financial planning is knowing how much money's coming in and how much money's going out. And I, and I don't think this is taught early enough for a lot of us uh, because. I think where the trouble starts is on cell phones and it, it would be so good. I've often heard from, from parents that they wish that um, it, they would teach it more in the high schools when children are getting involved into and, and having their cell phones and cell phone bills, that's where they run into trouble. And that just kind of carries into their life because they have no idea of where their money is going. And, yeah. and, and with that, then, then you end up in, uh, often in a negative situation. I would argue that the lessons need to be taught even younger than that when kids start getting their allowance. And uh, the thing is, is that it just gets exacerbated as they get older because the bills get bigger and the options to spend get more, become more including those darn cell, bill, cell phone bills. Yeah, and I think um, what we had talked about last week with credit cards, right, too, uh, you know, you get your credit card, a lot of these uh, cell phone bills can be charged to a credit card as well, um, which can be good and a good thing. But, uh, you know, if, if you aren't sure about your cash flow or you haven't really done much cash flow planning, um, that, that can be areas where you can run into some trouble. So I think it's important because, uh, you know, you don't want to run into that credit card debt or you don't want to have to, have anything bounce in your bank account or have to go into overdraft. So, um, uh, you know, planning out your cash flow and knowing where your money's coming in, when it's coming in, uh, that timing thing, again, that's a big thing. Um, and then also what are you spending your money on and what is necessary expenses versus what is, um, what is non necessary and kind of emotional and, uh, and, um, you know, uh, uh, excess uh, expenses. So, um, Joe, do you have any tips for people when it comes to their their cash flow planning? Yeah, like first and foremost, you you have to understand that like budgets don't work; they they never do. So, if you think that you can sit down and you can have like a budget 
uh, uh, so much and you're going to stick within your budget, often you'll blow that budget and then the entire cash flow plan is, is, is gone. So what you really have to think in terms of money coming in and money going out. Now, it's pretty easy to determine the money coming in. You can see your net paycheck coming in. The money going out, that's where the trick is. You have to just break down all your expenses into really two main categories, exactly like you said, Brad. So your first category is what's called your, your working capital or your fixed expenses. So these are things that you definitely have to have. This is your rent. This is your car payment. This is your car insurance to get to work. This is, you know, uh, all the necessities of, of living in order for you to generate that income that you're creating. The next part, which is sort of the, the bigger part, uh, the bigger pool, is your active purchase or your emotional purchases. Here is where everything else gets thrown. So you gotta sit down saying, is this really an, uh, an emotional purchase that I'm buying or is it a necessity that I need it? Um, go ahead, Courtney. Yeah, and to just build upon that, Joe, is sometimes a lot of people think that um, purchases that are actually emotional purchases are, or think that our active purchases are actually emotional purchases. I think one of the big ones is Costco. And people go to Costco and buy the, all those rolls of toilet paper or big packages of meat and then toss them into their closet or their freezer and then they never use them because they think they're getting a good deal. But it's actually, you have to watch those as well. Well, here's what's happening with a lot of those big box stores. Their goal is to move their inventory off their shelves and put it into your house. So that's what's happening. And they want, they package up toothpaste in packages of six for, so that you can take it off their shelf and then you can leave it exactly in your cupboard. Now, six tubes of toothpaste. How long is it going to take you to... Uh, to use six tubes of toothpaste, the large ones, of course. Mm. So what ends up happening is you are building inventory in your house. Your money is sitting in your fridge, in your freezer, in your cupboards. So you're building this inventory, which may or may not even use because it may get spoiled by the time you actually use it. Yeah, and uh, I think that's that's one of the successes of those businesses is is the fact that they operate as a warehouse, and all the warehouse is doing is just selling you their stock uh, in large quantities. So um, yeah, I think those yeah. are really great tips there. Yeah, go ahead. Go yeah, ahead. And, the, and the thing is, is they're not just selling. Like it's easy to justify. Oh well, I'll use six tubes of toothpaste eventually, and then I won't have to buy toothpaste for a long time. But then they throw in like a package set of tea or a thing of hundred pens you'll never use a hundred pens you'll never use this huge package of tea but you know they got you in for the toothpaste so they might as well sell you that as well yeah exactly um, and I think one of the other tips there when we're talking about cash flow planning um, is setting up an emergency fund and uh, I think it's one of the most important things whenever the unexpected happens so that you are prepared um, and it can be for instances like 
like we are having right now with with uh, the coronavirus and everything going on. You know, it's an uncertain um, and uh, unexpected uh, circumstance. So, Courtney, do you have any uh, more tips on you know what people should do to start building an emergency fund? Well, I think it comes from first you need to know where your cash is going in and your cash is going out, and then it's about building it slowly. You should always be paying yourself first, whether it is for an emergency fund or for retirement. So you should be taking a small amount that you don't notice, you know, and putting it away for the future. Yeah, and, and on building on that too, the, uh, the emergency fund, like you, you definitely want to have sort of that a little bit of that surplus put away for that rainy day. And, and this is an exact sort of situation. And keep in mind, it's not the big purchases that kind of get away from you because the big purchases you can definitely figure out. But it's the small stuff. And, and I hate to say it, it's like, you know, it's your Tim, Tim Hortons run, it's your McDonald's run, it's the amount of times that you've gone out to eat. And, and I get that, you know, it's all about supporting sort of businesses and stuff like that. But to what end? Like you got to look at your own personal situation. We almost got to go back to the way in the past or even the way the Europeans operate where they buy things per day and they buy their food and they cook it tonight. They buy a loaf of bread and they eat it tonight. The, in, in Europe, there's many, uh, many places in Europe where you actually buy uh, bread by the slice. You're buying a chunk of bread, so you're not even buying the entire loaf. So, you know, looking for that moderation in terms of the way that you buy and watching the small purchases will definitely help. Yeah, because even if you, let's say you go to Timmy's every day, if you just go three days a week and you stash those other, the dollars worth of the coffee for those two others away, it adds up really quickly. Yeah. And yeah. And then if you're going to Starbucks on top of that, well, that's $10 a coffee. So there you go. You got 20 bucks a week you're putting away for your emergency fund, right? Yeah, exactly. And I think uh, not only like that idea, Courtney, you mentioned about paying yourself, you know, putting a little bit for, for some, something that's enjoyable an activity that you like to do. Um, and then putting some aside for uh, your retirement or some investments in a, in a savings account. And then, and then also your emergency fund and building that. Yeah. Up. Yeah. And I've heard different numbers thrown around as to what percentage you need to put away, but I don't think people need to focus on the percentage of your paycheck. You should be putting away for the future or for emergencies. I think it's just about putting it away a little at a time and doing it consistently. Yeah. And I think the, uh, the general rule of thumb and, and numbers, as you said, numbers get thrown out, but for an emergency fund, people say, okay, well, well, how much is enough in my emergency fund? Uh, and well, I think uh, three to six months worth of those general, ex uh, those necessary expenses that Joe was talking about, that being your rent, uh, you know, your insurance, your car insurance, your car payments, anything that is essential for you to live, having three to six months worth of that uh, in there. And that's, as you said, Courtney, you don't need that right away. Adding to it a little bit at a time is important, but that'll, uh, once that's built up and keeping it and maintaining it there, um, should something like you know, uh, a, a coronavirus come around and, and keep us isolated. And, and you know, you might have, um, you might be working part time, or you might uh, be have a loss of income, uh, that can help support you during those times. Or, or if your car breaks down, and you need to make a, 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 a repair on your vehicle, you know, you've got those funds there, and then you can just start adding back slowly 
to uh, to those that fund to get it back up to where it needs to be once you're once you're back and settled. So I think uh, I think with cash flow planning, that's kind of the basis, and I think uh, we've we've hit on the points on why it is important, and um, we kind of want to move the conversation now a bit towards where we are currently with with what's going on in the markets and uh, and everything. We want to talk about kind of how it is an emotional market and and how we might be able to see opportunities within that market and how you might be able to see opportunities uh, today in these markets. So, so Joe, what are your thoughts on, on where things are at and how we can look at to temper our emotions and, and take advantage of the current market conditions? Yeah, it's, it certainly is a, a trying time for, for, for everyone, uh, an emotional time. And, and we saw this in, in 2008 during the financial crisis when uh, stock markets began selling off and it just didn't seem to be uh, a bottom to uh, the, the sell-off and it lasted over like a three-month period. The markets now have sold off a lot quicker. It, it is uh, certainly a jump. Um, the media doesn't help um, because they, they really advertise you know, the, down, the downside and on top of that, we're, we're all in isolation and that's another factor that we've never had to deal with. So mm -hmm. you're thinking the world is coming to an end. So really yeah. it ends up. And so I can, I can definitely sympathize with everybody in, in the fact that it is a stressful situation. And it's tough to kind of see, is there a light at the end of the tunnel? Is there a possibility of this thing turning around? Is, is, is this the end? <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, we thought the same way in 2008, but in 2008, um, the stimulus package that the governments came up with, it took them about four to five months to come up with the package, the quantitative easing programs. This time around, it only took them 10 days to come up with this package. So we know that the government is pushing a lot of their power in order to help us all out and, and calm the markets and calm the emotions. And uh, we are starting to see some updates in the market, uh, which is certainly a positive note, but let's not kid ourselves. We probably won't see much in the way of calming in the market until we get some sort of containment on the virus. Yeah, I think it's about certainty. So whatever news story comes out that makes people feel more certain that we're going to get out of it is what's going to calm the market. But going back to your point about the newspapers, Joe, I think a lot of people forget that the newspapers writer's job is to make you click it's to make you read their articles so they'll come up with the most salacious titles and stories they possibly can to make you click the problem is is that that especially because we're all stuck in our homes is it just makes you stew it just makes you think worry about the worst when we've been through these i mean we haven't been through a virus before but we've been through these kinds of markets before and eventually they do turn around especially we do get the certainty we need for them to go back up. Yeah, exactly. And I think um, kind of what we have to learn, and it's, it's hard because even as you said, Joe, you know, people went through the 2008 financial crisis, right? You know, they've been through markets, but it doesn't make this time any easier. And it's still finding ways on how we can deal with this 
you know, because we don't really know. It's it's not concrete on when we're going to wrap ourselves around this virus. Yes, we've had some great uh, stimulus from the governments. And, you know, the U.S. came out with a bunch of money yesterday helping people. Canada's come out with a plan to help those who, who are unemployed right now and, and providing financial aid there. So there's a lot of, of hope surrounding this, but there's still that, that need at the bottom to, to really, uh, you know, flatten the curve and, and help out in terms of turning this, this, this around and, and ending the spread of the virus. So, um, yeah. you know, how can we deal with, with these emotions that we are feeling with such uncertainty? Yeah. And the thing is, is the emotions that everyone is feeling right now is actually making the markets worse because a lot of people get nervous. And so they start selling at the worst time to be selling and it just makes the market go down even more. But with that, and you know, that's why a lot of people do categorize uh, the current markets that we're in as emotional markets. And, and that's where we kind of turn our heads a little bit, uh, you know, working in this industry to seek opportunities because we know that there will be a bounce back in, in the markets. And so Joe, how are we looking for opportunities now to take advantage of this emotional market? Yeah, and, and the key thing is is look for the opportunities here. And and I kind of break it down into really three main investor category or groups uh, that that I've been seeing with my own clientele and, and other people that are out there. So you have your younger uh, clientele or, or groups out there that uh, maybe they just started their jobs or they've been in their jobs for a few years and whatnot. And, and so for them, here's a great opportunity if they have a little bit of money to put some money into the markets. Um, and if they are investing on a monthly basis or on a regular basis, maybe increase that a little bit. This is going to pay off big time for them. They have lots of time in the market. It's a great time to do it. It kind of ties back into that cash flow planning. Hopefully they have been doing some of their cash flow planning. They have the availability of money in order to invest at this point in time or increase their their regular contributions and they will see the benefits of this as this thing turns around. The other group that I always look at is the ones that are just before their retirement. And I'm and for sure they're biting their nails. They they are wondering, can I retire? Will I retire? Do I have to work longer? And 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 they're in a panic mode for sure. But they got to keep in mind that when they do retire, even if it's like six months away, that when they start retirement, they're not necessarily pulling their entire investments out to live on. They're only pulling out a, a portion, an amount that they're going to need to live on per year. And so they will still have money invested and that money that's invested will continue to grow. The last group is the ones that are in retirement. And this group here, you know, for most part, a lot of them have gone through the 2008. They know the situation. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so... For them, they uh, hopefully have been working with their financial advisor and the financial advisor has been creating cash wedges for them. So remember in 2019 when the, we were doing very, very well and the markets were doing well, well, that was the time to take some profits off, put it into a cash wedge, a savings account within, let's say, the RIF account, and then begin drawing from that in anticipation that if the markets go down, 
we're not drawing from investments that are going down at the same time that we're pulling money from it. So we're pulling money from a savings account that is stable. And it's all about planning. And hopefully each of these groups have been working with some sort of financial advisor to get this thing set up. And I think uh, the one thing, Joe, about if this is an opportunity where you have, uh, you know, been cash flow planning and you've got some spare cash, buying in regularly in these uncertain times is the way to go because we are unsure of when this is going to turn around, how long this may be. So contributing biweekly or monthly at this time, putting some money in is is a great way to to you know not have to worry about it. It's going to automatically come from your bank account, invest into the market. And, uh, and that way you're contributing yeah. systematically to take advantage of the fluctuating markets. Yeah, I would agree. But the one key thing, if you are going to be buying into the market is don't try to predict the bottom. Even the wisest of money managers out there don't know when the bottom's going to be. They can never predict it. So those that's where those regular contributions come in as key because you're regularly putting it in and you you will hit that bottom at some point but you're not trying to read for it exactly. and i think we can distinguish too in the type of investments of course all of us we deal with mutual funds primarily we're not dealing with stocks and mm-hmm. uh, you know uh so a stock picker's world right now is you know okay, what stock has gone down enough and will that particular stock go up? And so as an individual investor, it's hard, harder to pick your individual stocks because of course there's a lot of research that, that's involved. As mutual funds and as an investor into a mutual fund, the manager of the mutual fund is doing that work for you. They have 24 seven analysts that are working. They are determining which stocks to buy, when to buy them, when to sell them. They're repositioning their portfolio. Some of them are sitting on some cash still waiting for further drops in the market. So as an investor, you just need to get into that mutual fund. And to me, that makes a lot of sense because then it eliminates the guessing game and it's not so much timing the market. It's just being in the market. Exactly. Mm -hmm. The whole concept, as we've talked about multiple times on this podcast of staying invested, that's really important. So before we wrap up today's podcast, I just want to touch on a few good news stories, you know, in the realm of everything that's going on, talk about a few good news stories. Um, So first off, I'll start and just say that uh, I thought it was really cool that recently, um, the uh, the TV shows, the medical TV shows um, that are out there, uh, such as Grey's Anatomy, uh, Station 19, Chicago Med, The Good Doctor, uh, New Amsterdam, have all donated supplies to hospitals that are lacking in masks and gowns and gloves and everything like that. So I, I just think it's it's uh, the little things that people are doing in this time to help out that are just is, is really awesome. And I think for those shows, they have tons stocked around for their actors and actresses that like the fact that they can just disperse all that equipment uh, to the hospitals, to the people that need them right now is just awesome. So um, that's yeah. my good, good story for the day. Uh, Courtney, you got one there? Um, yeah. Well, the, the, vol- the most vulnerable group right now is our elderly people and the people with the compromised immune systems. And a lot of people are um, volunteering themselves to go out and get groceries for them to do tasks that they feel they 
afraid of going out of their house to do. And some of the stores have even started hours for their stores, especially the grocery stores, just for them so that they don't feel the fear of being exposed to this illness. Yeah, that's awesome. And Joe, do you got a good good news story there? Yeah, um, locally here in New Hamburg, like uh, it was last week and a, a, a Facebook post went around on our community um, Facebook group and they were basically rallied uh, the community in order to kind of raise some funds and, and we basically bought some food for the front line people. So for the people in the hospitals, uh, uh, the medical centers, and even in the grocery stores. And basically, we delivered food to them because they are really, you know, the frontline people, they're putting themselves up at risk. And we wanted to do something special for them. So it was so nice to see how quickly that the community kind of came together in order to support that initiative. And I imagine that's happening with a lot of the communities um, throughout the world. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's awesome uh, to hear these good news stories, uplifting when we're all quarantined at home, uh, hoping for good news coming out each and every day as we move forward with everything that's going on. So that'll end it for this week's episode. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode, took something from it. It was uh, something to get away uh, your mind off stuff for 30 minutes and and enjoy uh, a nice podcast. So thank you all very much for listening. We really appreciate it. Uh, make sure to follow us on our social medias. Uh, follow the and subscribe to our podcast. Uh, You can check us out on YouTube as well. And please message us and let us know any other um, topics you'd like us to cover in any future episodes. So take care and we will see you in a couple of weeks. Thank you for listening. Please note that the opinions and ideas shared are from the viewpoint of KLT Wealth Management. They do not reflect the opinion or viewpoints of Investia Financial Services, Inc. or any other partners. The commentary provided is for general information purposes only and does not constitute accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice. You should not act upon the content or information discussed here without first seeking the appropriate personalized advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional. We try to provide content that is true and accurate as of the date of recording. However, we give no assurance or warranty regarding the accuracy, timeliness, or applicability of any of the contents. We assume no responsibility for information consumed through this podcast and disclaim all liability in respect of such information, including but not limited to any liability for errors, inaccuracies, omissions, or misleading or defamatory statements. Mutual funds and or approved exempt market products are offered through Investia Financial Services, Inc. Insurance products are provided through multiple insurance carriers and or approved exempt market products are offered through Investia Financial Services, Inc.